to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. James chapter 5, Acts 16. Titus chapter 3. Today we'll be focusing on verses 13 through 20. We're going to read all of of James chapter 5, though, just to kind of bring in from last week. James 5 verse 1 starts off with, says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of laborers who mowed your fields, which kept you back, which kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter, and you have condemned. You have murdered the just, and he does not resist you. And again, like I had said last week, just quickly as a review, this was not... He wasn't actually talking to the rich people. Again, his, he's writing a letter to the church. It, it's not like today where it would have been blasted on social media. And all oh, he's talking about rich people, Kevin people. You look at Pastor Kevin saying, no, this is more of a an understanding to that church, to the Jewish Christians that, hey, look, I, I get your plight. I get that. Look, I'm, I'm, I agree. These people, what they're doing um, is, is terrible. The way that they're making you work, they're holding back your wages. Um, They've condemned you. They've judged you. They've had some murdered. I mean, I, I understand the plight that you're going to. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's going to be a judgment upon them. Now, it's not all rich people. Again, we talked about that last week as well. It's not, he didn't have a thing against rich people. It was talking about those that are unjust with the wealth that they have. We see that in society today. There's some people that are very rich that are very, very giving and very, and just, that's fine. You know, your, your heart is not on your money, but it's those that just wanted a little bit more and they're taking advantage of the poor people. James moves on in verse 7 and says, Therefore, with everything that I have just said, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain, you also, listen, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. Get firm. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the, pro- take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. And indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen in the, in the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, lest you fall into judgment. And again there he was encouraging them that like, look, look, I understand it, but brother, listen, listen. Just don't don't get caught up in all of that. Don't start bickering amongst yourselves. Look, the Lord could come back today. And we talked about that last. I mean, this message could not finish. We could be, we could be out of here. We could be done. We could be in heaven. I mean, the Lord could call right now. So listen, I'm telling you, don't don't get caught up in all the other stuff. But again, being, I'm encouraging you to be doers of the word. Be focused on on helping each other and 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 seeing the needs that you see that are around you. And and again, as we're, you know, he's talking to the Jewish Christians. They had nobody else again. So I'm encouraging you, look at your brother and look at your sister, and as they need help, don't be like the rich. Come alongside and help them and pull them out of the problem they're having. Because, man, it, it could end right now. And do you want to be risen to heaven and, and be arguing with somebody that, oh, hey, Lord, how you doing? You know, I mean, you know, that's not the intention of what he wants here. So now as he moves into verse 13, as we, we've, we've come into that part, it says, now, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will have will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man of nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. 
And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Verse 19 says, Brethren, brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So again, as we move into this last section of James, and it's it's been since November when we started James, and I've kind of been in and out when Pastor Don would come back. Um, it's as I was telling Bert before, it's kind of refreshing, you know, that we're finishing James finally. Um, honestly, it's kind of sad. I feel like James is like a friend of mine at this point. You know, I mean, I've I've kind of I, I told you guys this before. I really didn't know a lot about James. And then just studying him and learning more about him, the character of who he was. James the Just. James the man who was known to have camel knees because he was just on his knees always praying for others. And as, as, as this man, as, as I've been introduced to him in a proper way and as I have studied his, his letter that he's written to his church and, and, and as I have taken it personally, um, you see a lot of those qualities of who he is in this letter. And in this last charge that we're going to read today as he's calling out to his church to, to, to notice those that are around him, to notice those things that are, that are around you and the specific needs of people. And then the final charge that we're reading the last two verses is it's important for James to, hey, look, I'm writing to you guys and I, I want you to understand that I, I know where you're coming from. Remember at the very beginning of the, in verse, you know, in the first chapter, he talked about, you know, consider it all joy. Yeah, for this, for the sufferings that are, you're gonna have them. But I encourage you to do that today. But, but be doers of the word. Don't get lost into the, the things of this world. Don't, don't try to, 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 to move up to the, the rich people and give them a better spot up front. But don't, don't do that. Stay with your brother and your sister and, and be doers. And if you see a, a, a widow or a, an orphan, that you're supposed to go and assist them. Again, as James is looking at, at his congregation and as the city as a whole, and, and he's looking at them saying, guys, this is it. Again, Rome doesn't love you. The Jews don't love you. It's, it's us. And I told you before, he was kind of given a different picture than what we see in Acts. Acts, everything is just is wonderful, and people are selling everything, and they're getting together, and they're having fellowship, and they're, they're breaking bread, and they're just the, the, that first church is just loving each other. And James is kind of given a different picture here. He said, I, I see some, some, some things that are going on within our church. And, and as any good pastor would do it, as he, he's looking at his flock and saying, look guys, I want you to kind of stop that. Don't, don't, don't be acting like you're perfect and, and things that are going on. I want you to, these are the things that I see. If Bert needs help, then I'm supposed to come alongside Bert and assist him. I'm supposed to come alongside and just, if the wise men need help, we as a church go over and we, well, guys, what can we do for you? Do you need this? Then we're gonna, we're gonna roll up our sleeves and we're gonna do something for them. We're gonna be doers of the word. Not just hearers only. And say, hey, be blessed guys, you know, go home and take care of your problems. We'll see you next week. That's not, that's not the church that we want to be a part of. James starts off, he has three things that he starts off with. He says, is anyone, and there's three, is anyone, is anyone suffering? Is anyone afflicted? And this might be going back to the, one of the verses that we just read as far as in verse 10 talking about, you know, that maybe they were, they were being afflicted at that time. Maybe they were being beaten up. Maybe they had problems. And he says, hey, look, if any one of you is, is afflicted, if any one of you is, is suffering and you're having hardships and troubles, well, the answer to that is, is to pray. The answer to that is to, is to come before the Lord and as you're going through your afflictions, you're going through your hard times in life, I, I want you to, you know, it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. So as, as I'm going through a problem in life and I'm struggling, man, there's, there's one person that I know that has my back no matter what, and it's God. And as I'm going through that struggle and as, as I'm just I'm pondering in my mind or maybe I'm actually being afflicted at that time, man, I'm supposed to go to the Lord. I'm just supposed to cast my cares upon him. Why? Because God, I, I know that you hear me. I know that you're my deliverer and you're my, my assistance. You're my helper. You're my, the person that's going to come aside of me. You know, Paul encourages us in, in Philippians 4.4. 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And yes, we're supposed to have that rejoice in our lives and we're supposed to just rejoice in all problems, but the reality is it's, it's kind of hard, isn't it? I mean, when you're going through a struggle in life and maybe it's financially or maybe there's, a, there's an affliction that you're going through or, or something like that and it's kind of hard to always say, Hey, man, rejoice, brother. 
oh man, life is great. You know, I'm getting kicked out of my house and man, my car broke down. And But you know what? Praise God. Well, we all know that's fake. The, the re- reality is that I can still rejoice in it. No, man, I, I don't know what's going on. I know this, that God's going to provide for me today. And I'm going to go on my knees and I'm going to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, I, I, I don't know what to do right now. But the one person I know that does is, is you. And as I as I pull, get on my knees, as James does, and, and I just go before you, God, I'm just, I'm resting at your feet. I, could, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. That's why we pray. And see, you can come to me and, and I can have all this different advice and, and I'll say, hey, well, well, what does the word say? What is it? Well, sometimes it doesn't say that. You know, my car broke down. What am I supposed to do? Well, I can't go to, well, turn to Malachi. You know, it doesn't, it is not something about the automobile and that, you know, I mean, so it's one of those times where you're, 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 you're to go to the Lord. Why? And ask for him. God, I need your wisdom. And what did it say again in James 1? I go before the Lord. If any of you asks of wisdom, what does he do? He gives it liberally. He doesn't hold back. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, or in between. God says, look, if you come to me, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm just going to pour it out upon you. That's why we pray. Why? Because if I'm suffering or if I'm afflicted, I need to go to the one who has the answer. He says, is any of you guys cheerful? Are any guys in here merry today or, or you're joyful or if you're of good cheer? Some of you guys, maybe you came in today and your life is good, man. You know, you see the shirts, life is good shirts. I like those kind of shirts. Um, so life is just great, man. I, I, I can't imagine anything getting better. I, I just, there's nothing. Man, I got the perfect wife. I got three perfect kids and I, I have a house. I got a car. I mean, I mean, life is, there's nothing else. I, nothing, nothing could be better. Nothing at all. At, there's nothing. We're good. <laughs> we don't like you anymore, but we're good. That's great, you know. <laughs> What does he say? He says, sing psalms. Man, what, what are you supposed to do? Man, Lord, thank you. And you start singing praise songs to God. And you know, and many of it happens to you sometimes and you're just, you're just sitting there and you're just, a song just comes to mind and you're just, you're just singing. Thank you, God, so much. Lord, praise you. And you just break out in a song. Or maybe you're listening to Joy FM or, or something like that and just a song comes on and you're just like, you know, you, you don't want to roll the windows down but you know everybody's going to hear you when you're singing it but you're just starting to sing and you're just, you're just going at it. Why? Because you're just giving praise to the Lord. Thank you God for everything that you've done for me. There's just nothing else. I just, I'm, I'm happy. Well, if any of you is sick, and this is, this is to be, to be feeble, to, to be weak, diseased, you know, this is this is like a real sickness here. This isn't all oh, I got a little stuffy nose or something like that. It's it's it, it, you're there's something going on. The same word that's used in describing Epaphroditus over in Philippians two when when Paul talks about him and says, Look, you know, this guy, he man, I almost lost him. He he almost died, you know, and but um he was just that sick. And then his heart was even broken too when he heard that you guys were concerned about him. So I said, you know what, man, go back. Why? Because you're just, he was just that sick. Well, he said the answer to that is then, is to call on the elders of the church for, for prayer. You know, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. So if you're that point in your life and you're just at home and you're like, man, I'm, I'm bedridden. I can't get out of, I just, I can't, I'm just, I'm just that sick. As if any of you sick, then let him call on the elders of the church and let him pray over him. And anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. It's kind of a, not really controversial, but a lot of people use this out of context as well. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. The first thing that you're going to do is, is to pray over him. Now you'll notice the most important thing that you're going to do here is the elders are going to what? Pray over him, right? I mean, that's, that's the important thing. Now if, if he doesn't have oil with him, does that mean that the prayer doesn't work? Oh, obviously not. The most important thing that you're going to do as an elder or, or anybody is you're going to pray over somebody. Why? Because ultimately, who does the healing? Does it is it me if I go to to Yana's house and I pray over her? Is is it Kevin? Well, he's got the anointing. You know, I mean, he's got the touch. He's got the ability to do it. Got to ask me. Oh man, Pastor Kevin, he's the one you want to come to the house. Okay, Don doesn't have the touch all the time. He's like fifty fifty on getting healthy. But if mean, you get Kevin there, you're in, man. You know, has nothing to do. Nothing to do with me at all. Nothing at all. 
Why? Because I'm just being responsible in the call that God has asked me to do. And so then as a, as a faithful servant of my responsibility, I go and I pray for Yaneth and, and, and I pray over her. So again, it's, it's who is doing the work. It's not my prayer that's doing the work. It's God that's doing the work. And so again, as before, we're just beseeching, we're calling out to the Lord to come down and to lay your, your just Holy Spirit upon her and to heal her. Prayer is the emphasis. Who heals it? It's God, obviously, that does that. Too many times, though, at the same point, you'll see some people in the church that won't cry out and won't let the church know that. Oh, no, I don't want, I don't want to bother them. Or, no, no, man, I mean, we're just, we're just a private family. You know, we just don't let people know that kind of stuff when it's happening. Why? Because, you know, it's just, it's our business. And, and, and look, that you can do that. That's fine. But that's not what God's called you to do, though. If you're in a position where you're like, uh, we're, we're, we're in desperate need, man. I need God to come down. We were just talking to Lynette, just gave a, a praise report in, in the, in the prayer in the morning. And she said a lady that she works with has had, had leukemia. For like three years, she'd been going through different treatments and stuff like that. And so she went in again. She, they'd found a lesion and, you know, they're a little nervous. And so she goes back in and they do tests and stuff like that. Remember the story, Jonathan? And so we're over there and we're talking and she's like, so she goes to the doctor and he, there's, he's like, I, I just don't want to let you know. I don't want you to be alarmed, but there's like four other doctors that are going to come in for this meeting. And I mean, of, co- of course you would be alarmed, would you not? I mean, you got leukemia and now there's four doctors walking in. He's like, but it, it's good news. And he's like, well, what is that? So they come in, and he's like, I just want to let you know, we've, we've got all your, your tests here and everything, and we, we're, we're baffled. It's gone. There's, there's, there's not even a record of you having leukemia. There's, there's no lesion. There's no nothing. We, we, don't, we don't understand what happened. And, and I just brought these four in so that you could say that the, I, I consulted with these four doctors. We, we don't have an understanding or a reason for why it happened. And so she starts to laugh, and she's like, well, I know. She goes, because my pastor prayed over me, and he prayed that you guys would be baffled. That same word of what had happened. And so that's what happened. So well, do you need to go to that pastor now? You're like, man, I'm sick. Forget Kevin. I got to go to that church, right? I got to go get, I gotta get healed, man. That pastor's got the healing. No, again, it's nothing with him. And I'm not going to tell you the church either, you know. So... <laughs> It's a good church, but you're not going to hear his name right now. So, so anyway, so it, it has nothing to do with him. Again, it's the responsibility of the pastor. He comes out, he just lays hands on, and he's, Lord, I, we just we beseech you. God is the great physician, is he not? God's the one that can come. Pastor John, who was here last week, um, he I had a back problem at one time when I was working at UPS, imagine that, and so I got hurt, and, and so he prayed over me, anointed me with oil, and back problem was gone. I mean, I had MRIs done and stuff like that and, and, and completely healed. It's just amazing. Those, those kinds of things happen. And you don't have to go to a stadium. You don't have to have somebody swing a coat at you and hit you. And again, because that's the show behind everything that's happening. Why? Because that's meant for that person to get the glory. When you come to somebody's house and you lay your hands upon them, who's getting the glory? Nobody else knows what's happening. Only the Lord knows what's happening. And so as I go into that house and we pray over Yaneth, Yaneth possibly is healed. Maybe the Lord doesn't want to heal Yaneth. I, I pray in faith that she will be healed, knowing that ultimately God is the one who makes that decision. And so that's the first part of it. The second part of that is, is, anointing, is anointing with oil. And sometimes you'll see these little things out. You've seen these guys below before, right? So this is anointing of oil. Right, now again, this is not like special oil. Um, if I had my glasses, I could actually read what it would say on here. So um, this is... This one actually has a cool name. It says oil of gladness. Okay? So you want the gladness one because it makes you happy afterward. No. Has nothing again, again, there's nothing with that. I'll be honest with you. There's been times we've, there was Wesson oil back there one time and we got some Wesson oil and put it on somebody. Why? And you're like, well, they didn't have Wesson oil in the old, what are you guys doing in this church? You know? Why? Because again, it has nothing to do with it. Again, it's just, it's an oil. Well, the first part of this, which I did not know, okay, before this week's study, is that Oil, the olive oil back in that time was used as a medicine. Did you guys know that? So uh, it was used as a medicine. So in this phrase here, the reference here is anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord could have just been medicinal. 
It could have been just as I'm going to, to her house and to Yana's house and maybe she's got just lesions and stuff like that over. And this is in the old times. They're like, they didn't really have a doctor to go to and say, hey, take two of these and, you know, one the next day, you know, the little Z-pack type thing and nothing to do with that. It was just the, it was the medicine that they had at the time. So you'll see, sometimes they'll say, you know, wine and oil. The wine was the alcohol and that was going to use to clean out whatever the problem was there for that part of it. But then the oil was to heal to help to make it better. So that's the olive oil. Some of you guys are like, I didn't know that. You know, you're like scribbling in your Bible right now, so it's good. So that's, that's the first part. And you see this in the Good Samaritan back in Luke 10. You guys remember that, the Good Samaritan? What did he do? He said, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own animal and brought him to an end and took care of him. So again, they might have, if they were traveling, you'd probably want to have a look, a little medicine pack with you, correct? Because you were on these different roads and stuff like that. And so the, the thought is that he used, obviously, again, the wine to clear out any of the things he had been beaten. And so then the oil, olive oil was to soothe the problems that he had. So it was used for medicinal purposes. So it could be that the church was called to say, come, hey, we're going to pray. And they were also going to put oil. And some commentators even said, like, you were just like to grease them up type thing. You know I mean? That would be like the modern terminology. But So you're kind of just greasing them and putting the oil on them. Is that the, that's the part that they were using there. So that's the first part that we see is for medicine. The second part that we see also here is, and first let me go back to that too. Again, some churches and some beliefs say, we don't use medicine at all. We believe that that's a sin to not trust and have the faith in God to, to, to heal you. Have you ever heard that? You'll see it on the news sometimes. There'll be shock and awe. Christian family doesn't go to the doctor. You know, child dies. And that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, one, that, that they allowed their daughter or their, their son to die. Why? When there was good medicine that the Lord had given wisdom to to heal that person. So again, it's, it's not a sin to go seek out medicine. Why? Because ultimately, that medicine doesn't have to work, does it? I mean, if God says... No, you're not getting healed. Doesn't matter if you use medicine or whatever. You're just, it's not, it's not that at all. So again, it's not a sin to go and seek out medicine. It doesn't show a lack of faith to go to a doctor. Okay. But I'm saying at the same time, be praying. Why? Because again, ultimately it's the prayers. And when we pray, we went to the hospital last week to see a couple that was there and we prayed for her to be healed. We also prayed for the wisdom of the doctor and the nurses to have discernment understanding of how to heal her better. Why? Because I don't care if it's done just miraculously, they're healed, doctors are baffled, she doesn't have this disease anymore, or, praise the Lord, they get an opportunity to continue to witness to these doctors and nurses, and through the medicine that God's provided, that they're healed as well. Amen? Everybody understand that? So again, I'm just trying to make sure that we understand the misconceptions sometimes that people use in this. So again, so olive oil also can be used as it's a representation. You'll hear this if you come forward here and we pray for you and we and we anoint you with oil. Again, it's not, again it doesn't matter if you use gladness oil, happy oil, whatever it's called, or just Wesson oil. It, what we're saying that it's a representation of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, you'll see that back in Leviticus. You'll also see in Mark 6, as, as far as the, it's just a representation of the Holy Spirit. So we're just, again, we'll just, typically we'll put a little bit on you, put a little cross on your forehead. It doesn't matter. The cross in your forehead isn't like, a, it's not like a special, oh, they didn't do it on my forehead, they did it on my temple. Oh my gosh, is the prayer going to work? Again, has nothing to do with that. All we're doing is doing a representation of that word, just of the Holy Spirit, which is, again, bringing you before the Lord. That's all that it is. Now, if you say, I don't want any oil on me, you know, we're still going to pray over you. And guess what? It's the same prayer that comes to heal you. Again, it's a, it's a representation that we're, we're asking the Lord and we're beseeching the Lord to come down to do what he, only he is able to do. So again, as we come to pray, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray over them. The second thing that we're asked to do is to anoint them with oil. So again, the old times, it might have been used for medicine. And the New Testament here as well that you'll see as far as even in the Leviticus and the Old Testament, it's just a representation of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Everybody understand that? That's clear? Cool. So the important thing to remember is what's the most important thing that we remember in this? It's prayer. Prayer is the most important part of this entire section. Okay, so it's prayer. And we see this as we move into verse 15. It says, and the prayer, and the, the noun here, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So the faith here is is, is a trust, or it's a confidence, of whether in God or in Christ. So our, our, our faith here is, is in him. And so as we have confidence in the Lord, as we have belief in the Lord that he's going to do that, a, a lot of times you'll see... Even in my own life, I'm, I'm just not praying with that confidence. Anybody else ever do that? 
Just me today. Okay, great. So I'm just teaching myself. All you guys are perfect. That's never mind. So I understand. So like if Lynette was here, I would understand her not raising her hand. But anyway, so the rest of you guys, I don't know about that. But so so the prayer of, of confidence. There's sometimes where I'll just come before the Lord. Thanks, Nancy. So sometimes I'll come before the Lord, and I'm just I, I, listen. I've got a great relationship with the Lord. There are areas that I can improve upon. Obviously, sometimes I just Lord, I'm not feeling it. I'm not sure. Uh, you can do all things, but can you do this? I mean, can you really can you really heal this person? Like I, I I'll be honest with you, and, and not to make Mr. Lapointe uncomfortable, but there was one day I've been praying for Mr. Lapointe for quite some time. Actually, still do, and he's coming in the door one day on his, and I've been praying, Lord, just just touch him. And that you would just strengthen his legs. And I'm telling you right now, he got to the door and he's like, hold on one second, Kevin. And I'm telling you, I thought he was going to stand up. I, and, and, and literally in two seconds, my eyes watered and I was about to hit the floor. Like I was going to be like, praise Jesus. I was just, my eyes had already watered and he was just adjusting himself. And I'm like, no, come on, Lord. Come on. You gotta be kidding me. Don't do that to me, Mr. LaPointe. You know, so I was like, no. But again, so do, do you lose faith in those times? No, I don't. I, I, I can't. Why? Because I know that the God is still doing things like Lynette testified this morning. You know, so I, I look at different situations and, and, and I have to have to continue to have faith. But is, is it, is it my faith that's lacking? Maybe at times. And so as, as we come before God and we, we don't, do we have that confidence? You know, and on another side of it, kind of a stupid story is Donna and Lynette, we were here for a meeting one day and leadership teams here and they're like, oh my gosh, we gotta get out of here. We got baseball tickets and Nathan's going to a baseball game and, and so we go out to the car and the truck's locked up, you know, we can't get in. The keys are locked in the car and you remember this? And so everybody's, and so you got leadership here, okay? So you're thinking, what's the first thing leadership's gonna do, right? Drop on their knees and pray, right? Lord, just provide this, right? So we're all out looking around. Is there a hanger somewhere? I mean, we're doing everything fleshly that we can possibly do to the point where I'm like, look, dude, I can tell you right now, I can get a back window for you for like 30 bucks and let's just smash it and go. You know, I mean, that's, that's the mentality that I had. I'm like, let's just break the window and move on here. Why are we fretting over this? You know? And so Lynette, you know, she gets all super spiritual on us. She's like, you know what? Did anybody pray? You know, she's like, anybody pray? You know, like, no. And so she's like, let's pray. So she prays, okay? I'm, and I tell you, as, as, as honest as, as this is the exact thing that happened. We pray, and I kid you not, three seconds after we get in praying, am I lying? I'm not lying. There's a van that pulls up a locksmith and says, hey, did you guys call for a locksmith? Where my mom says, yes! Thank you. It's unbelievable. We're like... So, so you got it's just done. So why? Because she just has faith. It's her faith and prayer is just unwaving to you know to anything. I mean, the coffee maker's overflowing back there, and she's like, "Did anybody pray over it?" And I'm like, "It's not possessed. It's an inanimate object." You know? <laughs> All right. You want coffee today? You want to pray? You know? So I'm like, "All right. Why? Why?" Because she just has that faith to be able to believe that my God's going to take care of this problem. And so you look at people like that and you're just like, God, why, why can't I? Why can't I have that faith? Why, I think that I do and I think that you do as well. It's just sometimes like Peter walking on the water, sometimes we, we have that faith to get out of the boat and then they're just the waves of life and the waves of doubt kind of come in and you start to sink a little bit. You're like, Lord, ah, Lord, help me. And what does he do? He just reaches down his hand and he grabs you out. And just again, it's the grace that we talked about last week. It's just the unending grace of Jesus that he just continues and God just to pour into your life. And yes, I'll help you get out of that water. Yes, you're in a time of need. I'm going to pull you out of that. Yes, I'm here. I didn't leave you or forsake you. And that's the wonderful God that we have that he's willing to just continue to walk through us and the struggles of life and that he just continues to have the patience and the kindness and just the, the ability just to kind of be, just be there. Why? Because as we continue to pray and cry out to Him, all that does is just draw us just a little bit closer to God today. And that's all that He's doing. The save here is not from in, is, is from injury or from peril. That's what it's saved, we're being saved from. It's not a save as salvation that He's talking about right here. It's not, and the prayer of the faith will save the sick. They're not getting salvation here. They're getting, they're getting, they're getting, they're getting healed. They're getting fixed as far as what the problem was. 
And the same concept is back, you remember when Jesus was walking through a crowd one time, we were talking about this at Bible study, and I, the, the lady had been bleeding for 12 years. 12 years, ladies, okay? 12 years she'd been bleeding. All right? So all those people having a hard time and just think of 12 years. That's unbelievable. And all she wants to do is she's like, man, if I can just, if I can just touch his cloak, I, I'll be healed. You know, and then she touches him and Jesus stops and she's like, some, somebody just touched me. You know, and I mean, there's a crowd around him, right? And the disciples are like, dude, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, no, no. I felt my power leave. And that power was because she had faith. And I, I just need to touch him. Matthew 9, 22, and says, but Jesus turned around and when he saw her, out of all the people, he knew exactly who it was. But when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Again, it was her faith that she just realized, who's the one person that I need to go to? I mean, there was healers out there at the time. There's people just prophesying and saying things and, oh, I'm this, I'm that. And it, but she knew, I, I gotta go, I have to get to Jesus. And if I just, with all this crowd, and I've spent all my money on the doctors, and if I can just reach and touch Jesus, I will be healed. If he has committed sins. Again, another misconception in this area of Scripture is, is that, oh, if you're sick, man, it's, you've got sin in your life. You know, have you guys heard that before? Uh, so, man, you got to, what's, what's the sin? That's the problem. Let's, let's root out the sin and then man, your, your illness will go away. And we see that sometimes in scripture where somebody has had a, a sin and God has used that to then come on and say, Hey, look, we're going to deal with this through this, 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 this sickness that you've got. But again, I think the, the neat thing in the scripture here is if he has committed sins. Again, sometimes you'll see that we look at Job. Remember we talked about Job? What, what sin did Job commit? No, he was righteous, was he not? I mean, the Bible said he was righteous. He got up early in the morning. He did his sacrifices, sacrifices for. I mean, he was completely righteous, and he's got boils all over him and and pus. I mean, it's just what sin was in his life. There was nothing there. We just talked about Epaphroditus. I mean, he was he was walking with Paul. He was in ministry with Paul. I mean, there's possibility that he had some kind of something going on in his life, but I don't think so. I mean, he was in ministry with with Paul. And then you actually have Paul as well too. Paul said, hey look, there's this thing that I keep, I have got, and I've prayed for it a couple times to go away, and, and it hasn't. Was that because he had just uh, this underlining sin that God was kind of using? No. Doesn't mean that. Uh, so again, if, if you come into the situation, and you're like, somebody says, well, brother, you've got sin. Kevin, you've got something going on in your life you need to get rid of. Okay, I, I go before the Lord and confess it, but, but maybe it's just I'm sick. Maybe I'm in a fallen body in a fallen world and sometimes, as I was talking about before, man, there's just aches and pains that I have at 49 that I didn't have at 29. And there's times my back is like, no, I'm not working today. You know, I'm just, I'm just, we're not, we're not good. It just means that I'm in a body that is just deteriorating and just falling apart. Why? Because that's what it's supposed to do at this point. It says if you have sins and, and, and they've committed sins, then he'll be forgiven. Means as you've come before the person, and typically what you'll do is if you were to come forward here today, and we prayed over you and we anointed you, we'd also have you. We'd have you pray. We'd have you pray and ask the Lord to please forgive any sins that I've got. And you, you would just announce them. You don't have to announce them to me. You would just kind of do that privately between you and the Lord. Lord, this is what things that are going on, and I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Why? Because again, as we go before the Lord, do we not want to be holy? Do we not want to be, we talked about that as well too, but be, be ye holy, right? So we want to be, we want to be clean as we come before the Lord. And I don't want to sit there and come before the Lord and just my junk and my trash and just be like, heap it out here and go, God, man, you got to fix me. I mean, God could still do it and use it in a way to, to, to bring me to Him closer. But it, if I understand who God is, I, I don't want to do that, right? So I want to come before the Lord. I'm going to ask for forgiveness of my sins. And God's going to set me in and set me on the right track as far as when I move forward in life. Verse 16, it moves on. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man of with nature like ours and he prayed earnestly and, and that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three, for three years and six months. And he prayed again in heaven, in the heaven, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And he asks you here to, is to confess, is to to acknowledge, to profess. 
it is your trespasses. It's, it's a sin. It's a misdeed. And you can understand what trespasses are, right? It's a lapse from truth and uprightness. It's just a lapse in your life. You've, you've, you've done something. You're like, ah, oh, dude, what did I do that for? It was just, that was just dumb. I, I shouldn't have done that. And you just, you confess it. You, you, you confess your trespasses to one another. And, and in that too, I want to just kind of be cautious with you as you, Trust, you know, as you confess your trespasses to one another, kind of keep it in the context that it needs to be in. Okay, again, it's, it's not a point where we're going to open, have an open mic tonight. We're just going to, you know, just talk about, hey, everybody's going to come up and just confess their trespasses to everybody here in the church today. Okay, and John, you're first. Let's go. Come on, buddy. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, it's not the such the situation that he's talking about. I mean, there there are different sins that you might actually have to come before the, the church and ask for forgiveness for. I, I've been to one of those. I was at a church and we had a, a special church meeting, and and we went to the church that that evening on a special night, and um, we prayed and it opened our eyes, and one of the associate pastors was at the the, the pulpit. Yeah, like, ooh, what's going on? And he had to confess that he had a an extramarital affair. And. It was quiet. You're like, what? Didn't know. But the right thing to do was to come before the church in that setting in a situation of my own. Why? Because as a, as a leader of the church, the church would need to know the things that are going on as I have witnessed before God, before you. It doesn't mean that everybody in the church is then going to have the responsibility of, oh, I don't want to do that sin because I don't want to come up in front of the church. No, it was it was correct for that person to have to do that. If you sinned against someone, then you need to go to that person. Again, using the illustration maybe of Bert of maybe I did something to Bert. I sinned, either knowingly or unknowingly, and now there's just a little friction between the two of us. Understandably, right? Uh, is it not right then that I would go to Bert and say, hey man, sorry. No, you don't say sorry. You say, Bert, would, would you forgive me? See, forgive, sorry. If I say sorry to Bert, then then I'm released, right? Because he doesn't have a chance to say, sorry, man, and I just kind of move on. But if I go to Bert and I say, hey, man, would, would you forgive me? I, I really miss our friendship, and, and, and you mean a lot to me. Now, now, the, now it's in his control, is it not? Now he's the one who has the power to go back to me and say, well, yeah, Kevin, that was stupid that you did to me, but I, I too miss your friendship. And so that's that's the appropriate way to do that. So if I send one on one, I need to go to that person and just man, just just I was stupid. You know me. If if it's, if it's a private sin, maybe it's something that you've done on your own. Again, we're not asking you to come to the church and to announce it. But maybe if you've got an accountability brother or sister, or you've got somebody or a pastor that you can come to and and you can kind of just confess that, hey man, I'm I'm struggling with this, and and I need some prayer, and I need somebody to hold me accountable to that situation of what I'm having a hard time with. Well, that's that is that inappropriate? Instead of coming up here and saying, church, this is what I'm struggling. No, it's a private sin. It's something that's going on with you. Again, when that happens, a lot of times we we don't need all the intimate details of of whatever you're struggling with. Okay, that's just a public service announcement. I don't need to know every single. I one I was at a place one time, and this lady started talking about just from like age 16 up to now of all the different things that she'd done, and I was like, "Woo, time out!" You know, I'm I didn't sign up for that. You know, I mean, we're we're good. You know, you can. You could have stopped at 17. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I mean, we don't need to continue. And she's in her 30s. So, I mean, we had a long time to go. And I was like, whoa, we're done. You know, we're, we're tapping out at this point. See, you don't want it to be like you're just a dump truck and you're just beep, beep, beep. And you just, just, just dump all that on somebody. Why? Because then honestly, I, I don't, I don't know what to do with that then. I mean, you might feel better. You're like, whew. You don't know how long I have waited to get that off my chest. And I'm thinking, I do know, you know, I mean. But the the point is to be intimate enough to understand the things that you're struggling with without having to know the intimate details of everything that's happened. Does that make sense? I mean, you want to be, you want to be honoring to that person because then at the same point, if I'm too intimate, I don't want to make that person sin. I don't want, I don't want, I mean, I may be a pastor, but I am not perfect. You guys know me. And so it's a point of, as we as brothers and sisters, we need to be understanding of that too, is I don't want that person to now sin as well. 
And so as I'm unloading whatever I've been dealing with, whatever struggles that I've had, James is saying, look, I, I want you to confess your trespasses to one another, but probably you need to watch who you're doing it and how you're doing it. So again, we're not causing somebody else to sin. We're also having an understanding of who I need to be able to be the one that I'm confessing it to, and then, and then appropriately how we need to do it. Okay, does that make sense? Amen? Then pray for each other. Again, as, as he continues to move through this, is I don't know if you've understood what has happened here, but if you're an underliner, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six times that he's talking about prayer. As you've gone through James, as we've gone through James, that's one of the words that has continued to come up, is it not? Again, as we go through this, I have an understanding, is James is just emphasizing to the fact that, one, we need to be looking out to others that are in our community. But guys, I'm telling you right now, as, as evidence within James's own life, you guys need to be men and women of prayer. And as you continue to have you hear somebody's trespass passes, you need to pray for one another that they may be healed. And then the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now again, it could say woman there as well. Okay, we don't want to be a sexist statement here. So man or woman, effective prayer. It doesn't really matter. Just the effective prayer part of it is, is that it's a fervent prayer, that it's intense, that it's not wavering. Remember he talked about wavering back in James 1, 1, 6. It says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for who he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Remember how we talked about your faith is like the you know being here or by the ocean, it's a lot easier, or by the, the Gulf of Mexico. And so as the waves come in, oh, my, my faith is strong. And then as the waves go back, ah, I'm a little weak today. And as your faith comes in, oh, I'm strong today. And as it goes back out, I'm a little weak today. What he's saying is, look, it needs to be non-wavering. Your, your tide needs to be in at all times. Your, your faith needs to be strong. It needs to be emboldened. It needs to be, I'm, I'm there. I'm ready. Why? Because I've, I've, we talked about the, the ways to be close with the Lord is one is not to be focused on the things of the outside. Two is by prayer, by reading the word, by fellowship, and by witnessing. Remember that last week? Those are the five things I talked about. And so, again, if I do those things and I am just, I am in fellowship with the Lord at all times, well, guess where my faith is? I mean, I can, I can tell you by my own life is when I am weak, it's because I am weak because I've not been in prayer and I've not been in the Word. So I have to, I've no, if I've, if I'm, if my body were weak today and I'm up here and barely moving and you're like, Kevin, when's the last time you ate? Oh, last Monday. Well, eat something. You know what I mean? You've got to have food for your body to work. And the same thing works with your spirit. I can't expect to be strong in faith, but have no actual food that comes into my body from the spiritual side. I never talk to the Lord. I never, I come on Sundays. I mean, I read a little bit then. I get, you know, I'm getting six, seven verses today. I mean, that should, that should take me through, through a week, right? No, you need to be in it every single day. You need to have a, a consistent prayer, um, reading time with the Lord. You need to have a consistent prayer time with the Lord and just be like Enoch and just, I just talk to God every single day. I'm just walking with the Lord. I just have conversation with the Lord. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm just talking to God. And Enoch just grew and grew, and then finally the Lord was like, "Man, I just, I love you. I want you up here. I want to. I just want to talk to you all the time here." And that's the faith that he's talking about of of just somebody who is uh, a fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It needs to be energizing. It means to not not be lukewarm. You know, sometimes we give those lukewarm prayers, and we talk about you know, like when you eat dinner, it's like, "Oh, God is great. God is good. Let's thank you for food by the hands of the Lord." I'm in. I mean, that was my prayer growing up for food. I got to pray for the dinner, and so I was hungry. So I mean, it was how fast can I possibly get through this prayer? Why? Because I didn't have a relationship with God. I just wanted to eat. Okay, so 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 many times our, our prayer life is kind of like that too. We're just we're just lukewarm in what we come to. Oh Lord. I'm just going through something today. I'm just kind of tired, and you could just be with me. I mean, that's just. I mean, if you were talking to that person in real life, you'd be like, "Dude, what? Get land the plane? What are you talking about? You know? I mean, are we talking or not talking? I don't understand. That's why I hate talking on the phone. I just I don't like it. I'm like, is that person paying attention to me? Are they are they really talking to me or what? Because you can't see them. Right? So I think I'm like a seer person. I don't like, don't call me on the phone. Just come see me. So anyway, so it's like, I just, I need to see the person. I need to know, are we engaging? Are we not engaging? What's going on here? You know? And so the same thing with Lord is you got to come with him with, well, not just energize like fake. Hey, God, how you doing today? It's just, you're there. You're present. And you're coming before him and you're, you're beseeching and you're just laying down the, the request for your friends and the family that you know that, that need help and assistance. And as you come before him and you, you, you come and you, God, man, 
I'm so glad that I'm able to come before you, Lord. I thank you for so much that you did for this holy week. Lord, as you went to the cross and you died and the veil was torn from the top to the bottom, God, I know you're the one who tore that, that veil. Why? Because nobody could reach up there. You, God, you did it. Why? So that I have access to come before you right now, Lord. Thank you so much. And you just give him praise and then you come before him and you start laying down just the needs of other people and you're just pouring into him. God says, that's a prayer. That's an unwavering prayer right there. That's somebody who, who gets it and understands it. One of the commentators wrote, he says, effective prayer must be fervent, not because we must emotionally persuade a reluctant God, but because we must gain God's heart by being fervent for the things he is fervent for. So again, we don't come before God that, oh, I'm just going to cry a couple times and, you know, throw out a couple of, you know, and, and, and Jesus name, you know, something like that. And just, that's going to do it. You know, Lord's like, I've been waiting for that. Somebody finally said it in Jesus name. I'm going to do it now because he said that. No, I'm not, I'm not tricking God into doing something that I want to have done. No, what is happening is I pray and I come before God and, and as I do that, I start having more and more of the likeness of the Lord. I have more and more of the likeness of who Jesus is. And as I come before him and all of a sudden he starts doing something on my heart and he's like, Kevin, you know what you're going to do today? Man, you've been praying for, for this person. I want you just to give him a call. I want you to tell him that you, you prayed for him today. You really, Lord? Yeah, I want you to do that. And as he starts to continue to mold my heart and he, and he shapes it into what he wants it to be, now all of a sudden God has done in me the things that I've been trying to, to pray for, for him to do. And so the effective prayer, not only goes to him, but now effectively he comes back to me and he changes me into the likeness of who he is. And now whether I'm at a, at, at a high school or a middle school or if I'm at work or if I'm at home or, or wherever that I'm at in my life, I am an effective person for God. Why? Because I have an unwavering faith to be able to be an influence of Jesus Christ in that area. Why? Because of the, the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He's not going to turn his back on that. That's what he's desiring. James gives an example here. He talks about Elijah. First Kings 17, you don't have to turn there. It says, you know, you guys know the story. He prophesies. You know, he says, hey, look, you're not going to have any rain. It, it's just to tell you right now. God said you're not going to have any rain, so you're not going to have any rain. So then he goes in First Kings 18, and he has this battle. You guys remember this battle royal between gods? And there's like the gods of Baal against, you know, our God. And he says, hey, you go get all your priests of Baal, and, you know, you dig a big thing here. We put build a big altar, and then I'm going to build a big build altar, and then we're going to we're just have a god off, okay? And so they do that, and they're out there, and they're cutting themselves, and they're and he's like, you know, uh, what? Where, where's your God? And he starts making fun of their God. You guys know the story, right? And so they should do a movie of this. This would be awesome. So so then they're there and they're doing that. And then on this side, he goes, are you guys done? And they're like, yeah, man, we got, we just can't do it anymore. You know, he's, he must be a sleeper. So I don't know what's going on with our God today. All right, well, anyway, just and now it hasn't rained for three years, three and a half years, right? And so he says, hey, take water. And I just want you just to continue to just put it on my altar so you guys know it wasn't a spark. It wasn't anything like that. So then he just prays, and God says, it's gone. You're like, what? You know, this, uh, the fire from heaven comes down, and that it's gone. It's out of here. You're like, oh, my gosh, that, his God's real. And then he goes over to him and says, hey, man, I'm just telling you, you know, um, you better get ready for rain. Why? Because it's going to rain. And so at that moment, he's, he's prayed for three and a half years. Now, we see in the story... And, that we don't see the effective prayer of, of Elijah doing that. So we're just taking it from probably just um, Israeli stories, the Jewish customs and stuff like that. So they probably have maybe a little bit back, more background than what we have on this. But so anyways, but what James is saying here, he says, look, this, this, we see it in Elijah. And Elijah was nobody special. He was much like us is what he's saying here. Just, Elijah was a man with a nature like, our, like ours, right? So he's not like a special kind of person. He just was praying. And he was crying out to God. And then through that, the Lord just did a miraculous thing. So again, as we come before the Lord and we pray, now was Elijah able to call down the fire from heaven? Was he actually able to do that miracle? Again, it's not that. As I continue to say through the entire message today, what is the important part of this? It's prayer, and then who does the miracle? It's God. God is the one who does it. Why? Because God's the one who has the ability to do it. God's the only one with the power to do it. And so as we pray out and we effectively and we fervently pray to God, we cry out to Him. God Almighty, I'm asking you for a miracle today. 
God, you don't have to do it. We know that. We, but we ask you, we know that you have the ability. We know that you have the power. And you're the only one that we know that can do it. God, I, I beseech you and I cry out today. And sometimes that fire comes down and it's done. Sometimes he's saying, hey, look, I want you just to rejoice in this trial. I want you to endure during this time. James moves on, and this is kind of his last, his last little sentence to his church here. And it's not warm, fuzzy, and, and things like that. I was joking with Bert before. Is you know, Paul kind of gives a little wrap up to his his letter, and James is kind of like a bottom line kind of guy here. And verse nineteen, it says, "Brethren," and this again, I've said this every single time. He says, "Brethren," fifteen times during this during this letter to them. And so, brethren, he's again, he's, he's making it to them. He said, look, brothers, brothers, this is, this is my last charge to you in this letter that I'm going to write to you. And I, I want to summarize what I'm telling you. Brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so as his last, his last statement to his church here, he, again, he, he's, he's calling them to look corporately within themselves. He's calling them corporately to look at, hey man, listen guys, it's, this is it. This is my last letter and I really don't know much more about James. I mean, there's a couple things in Acts as far as different meetings and stuff. I don't know if he wrote this before or after that. And, but I'm saying, guys, look at each other. And I say this to Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship, Calvary Chapel. Look at each other. Hey, if you if you guys are in your walking and you're you're doing your day to day stuff and we have interaction with each other and 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 you see somebody that's wandering, you see somebody who's maybe trying is being tempted to do something or they're they're trying a little something different that they shouldn't be doing. I, I call you corporately as a church to come alongside them. I, I call you as a church to 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 to, prefer, to befriend them and to pray for them and to to lock arms with them to not allow them to stray. You know, you don't want. It's one thing when it's one thing when you see the world doing certain things. It's another when you see your brothers and sisters in Christ. And 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 we've had people here, and and we all know Christians that through the years have have are not walking the same way that they used to walk. And um, we've got a Christine, and I've got a good friend, and she used to work at churches and and do great things. And now it just doesn't seem like she's she may have a belief in the Lord and. Um, it's not nothing like it was before, and so unfortunately, in times you just it's somebody you just the, the cares of the world, and you know one of the things I was going to get into. I don't have time tonight or today to do this. Is that you know the parable of the seed of the sower? You know, is as the seed goes out, and and I don't have time to go over the four different seeds, but sometimes you see those seed goes into and it, it starts to sprout, and it gets it gets locked up into the tares, and those are just the cares of the world. And I pray that as, as you guys see each other, and if you see somebody that's just going through that time, and maybe they've just kind of gotten locked up into the world, and, and they just start looking at the desires of the world, or maybe they're just, they're just not sure about their faith anymore, then, then I, I, I pray that you would just help them, come alongside them. Paul gives an encouragement, and we'll turn to Titus real quick. Titus 3. starts in verse 1. I'll start reading as you get there. It says, Remind them, Paul talking to the Titus here as far as the, the church, it says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we, and this is the key verse, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and and hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And so he says, just a reminder, and then we'll go back to Titus in a second. He says, look, in verse 3, he says, look, I'm just telling you, just remember that we all struggled with that at one point too. 
And none of us in here have been sinless our whole life, right? So all of us have had a point in our life where we just struggle with the fact and we've gone through different lusts maybe and, and have been deceived and, and have looked at the, the pleasures of life and, 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 and envy and hate. I mean, we just, we've all kind of gone through that. And he said, Paul's telling him, look, look, just, just remember, you're not perfect. Sometimes as Christians, we get to that point and we're like, oh, I can't believe that person did that. You know, I never would do that. I mean, yes, you would. You've done it already. You'll, you possibly you could do it again. Again, there's no sin that is that's unable for any of us to commit. We're, we're all capable of that. Why? Because we're all flesh and human. So Paul tells him, "Look, just again, ourselves. We were foolish at one point. A man appeared, and not by works of righteous which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing and the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit." whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. And these things are good and profitable by men. Turn back to James, and so Paul's sitting there saying, look, again, it's, it's, again, it's, we, we are, we are capable of doing these things. But I'm telling you right now, it's only through God. It's only through Jesus and His salvation and His mercy that we don't continue to go down that road. So as James looks at his church and says, look, I'm telling you right now, this is the thing I want you to do. I want you to be looking at others. I want you to be praying for others. And I want you to, to, to have them to, to turn back. It's to, it's to convert. It's, it's to cause a return to bring back to the love and obedience of God. I want you to see those people and I want you to help them to come back to the obedience and the love of God. God loves each one of you in this room. And I hope that as, if nothing else through this, 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 these five chapters in James as we've studied is that, you know, as Easter comes up, to having the knowledge that we have of who Jesus is should empower you guys to want to do more for Him. I think that's really what James is saying. James here is, he's asking them, you know, as we've gone through this, He's asking him, you know, to to make sure that you 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 have you're doers of the word. He wants you. I want you to be out there. I want you to be doers of the word. I don't want you to just come in on, and then sit on your chairs and and then go home and watch TV and dances with the stars and lifestyles of the rich and famous. That was for last week. And for um for whatever other show that you want to watch. I mean, it's not, that's not what life is about. Life is about doing. Life is about noticing and seeing people where they're at, and and praying for them. And investing your life into them. And giving what you have. Why? Because today, this is, this is all that I have that I can give to God today. Is today. This is all that I have ability. If God grants me tomorrow, then guess what I have? I have tomorrow to give to God. Amen. But, but today is it. This is all that I have to give to Him. And do I want to give Him just the leftovers of whatever I kind of feel like I, I want to do this and this and then I'm going to kind of, I'm going to give you a little bit afterwards. No, James says, I want you to be doers of the word. I want you to be um, to be diligent. I want you to be also know that um, I'm trying to find it in my notes here. Sorry about this. I want you to be tougher. Remember, he talked about it in the first in the first chapter. He says, "I want you to be tougher." Why? Because there are times that you guys are going to go through struggles. There are times where the the world is just going to come upon you, and it's going to just kind of beat you up. And and again, we talked about life is not easy. Life is difficult. Almost every one of us in this room right now are not at a place that we thought that we would be. Correct? When you're growing up and you've got all these dreams and thoughts of things that you want to do and to become, probably none of us were like, hey, I'm going to be in Sarasota this day doing whatever for my life, right? I mean, most of us are not that person. But this is where we're at. And life has come in and it's kind of moved us and, and, and swerved us and, and kind of beat us up at times and we've risen up with the Lord and we've conquered those things. And, but this is where we're at right now. Why? Because this is where God's got us. And so as we go through those things and, and, and we've, we're toughening up for God and we're being doers of what He's called us to do, we also want to be a church that prays for those. To know that we're no greater than the world. A lot of times we like to look down upon the world and we like to judge the world, but man, for the grace of God, that's exactly where we would be as well, would we not? It's only because God stepped and Jesus stepped into my life that, that stopped a course that was heading down to where I'd be no different than anybody else that you would see. It's only through Jesus. 
And as we enter this Holy Week, I pray that as you guys continue to, to meditate and to ponder and to think about those things that Christ has done this week, again, three years of ministry to come up to a, this point in time for this week, this Holy Week, as he enters this week, and this is what everything that I've ministered for, this is all the healings that I've done, these are all the, the fireside chats that I've done with my disciples, and I've poured into them, and I've, I've raised up these men, and, and one's gonna betray me, and, and, and just, you know, but I, but Lord, and he even prays for him in John. He prays for his relationship with the Lord, he prayed for us during that time too. Just the illustration too is, is for us to do, Continue to pray for others and to notice those that are around you and to pour into their life. And, and yes, you're going to get burnt at times. Jesus got burnt. And there's times where people are going to walk away from you. Jesus had people walk away from him. But the ultimate glory is that there's going to be those that are going to come to a knowledge of who Jesus is and have an everlasting destination that is completely different than what it would have been before. And that's on us. Again, I don't save but what's my requirement? I'm to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's on us. I'm not responsible for the them coming to know the Lord. I'm responsible for my presentation and making sure that I'm available to do it. Guys, I just want to encourage you to love Jesus better today than you did yesterday. I want you to be doers of the Word, and I want you to pray for others. And I want you to have an understanding that it's not just me, but it's it's every one of us. We want to do all that we can for Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.